It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 17th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program it's actually tonight. the 18th. It is 8th. the 18th. I'm yeah. looking at the wrong date there. 18th. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, uh, welcome to the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here with his uh, updated calendar. Thanks for Yeah, the calendar's working, and we're working, and we're ready to go on the virtual Bible study. All right, and uh, we've got a new driver behind the controls tonight. Stephen's here, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from him. He's uh, getting his wings tonight. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it's actually not terribly technical, but... We can't Somewhat do it ourselves, yes, right. <laughs> so we need help. All right. So, all right. You've got a couple of interesting uh, in-the-news kind of things for us tonight. All right. Before we get to that, we remind you we want your participation. We, we really love it, and we think our program is better when you do participate. So get involved. Uh, you can call 877-381-4567. You can email to questions at collegeview.com, or you can get in the chat room where several are already. Uh, and uh, and we see, uh, I think, Chris from the U.K., who's also sent us an email, and he is reporting on the election over in uh, in uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah. You know, today the Scots are voting on potentially breaking away from England or from the United Kingdom and becoming independent once again. And, he, and, and we may be beating the news networks right now because Chris says the polls are close and he thinks it's looking like no. Okay. On independence right. for Scott. So we just will give a little news headline there to, to, to start us yes, off. Yes, it is. All right. But you can get in the chat room and you can join with us uh, in the discussion. We uh, we always tell you that we um, put out our subject for discussion about noontime uh, on Thursday to our update list. You can get on our list if you're not there by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. To our update list today... We suggested that we want to review something that's been really in the news, Jacob. Mm -hmm. Uh, Victoria Osteen. Of course, she's the wife of the famous televangelist Joel Osteen. Uh, There's a viral video on YouTube going around about her, and we're going to comment about that and ask some questions about that. We're going to play that here just a minute if you haven't seen it. So we want to talk about what Victoria Osteen said. And then in, in another part of our program... We want to look at um, an article and a survey that suggested that most denominational pastors are not dealing with current issues from the pulpit, important social and cultural issues from the pulpit. Okay. And we want to talk about that. All right. Well, we've got the video from Victoria Osteen where she's saying that we should serve God for ourselves. Now, it just seems to play hand in hand with their doctrine that uh, you know God wants you to be rich and happy and uh and it's know. sort of about me. Yeah, well, you would think. Yeah. So let's play that video, and then, then we'll get into the discussion. All right, we're going to test Stephen out here. It's his first time, and we're getting a little bit uh, complicated. Ready? Go, Stephen. God just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen. Let's open our heart to Him today. Father. So, So there's the video that we have under consideration. And as we said, it's made... Uh, quite a buzz on the Internet, and a lot of people are criticizing Victoria Osteen for her comments there. And so we simply ask, what do you think, what is your reaction to her statement that what gives God the greatest joy is when we are happy? And then before we get done talking about that, Jacob, I think we should just, we can't, we can't pass on that without talking about 
women preachers. Obviously, okay. she's taking the role of a preacher there, and we should we should at least comment about that without just uh, passing perhaps, going yeah. by. Yeah. Let, let me read. I, I've got the text of that again. So let, just let me read that in case you had a little trouble picking that up from that grainy video. She said, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. So I want you to know, I want you to know this this morning. Just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what that's what makes God happy. All right, all right. I think you know. Well, let's we'll get our listeners. Uh, comments. Hey, hey, could I give you a, a, a sampling of the kind of reaction that she's been getting? Yeah, I like to hear that. Eric Erickson, uh, uh, a conservative blogger, uh, editor in chief of the blog site RedState.com, summed up his reaction this way: "Quote: What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard." At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Well, not any, too any, charitable there. Any doubt how he felt about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's sort of a, probably a summary of the kind of reaction that she's been getting. John in the chat room says, This lady spoke with more honesty than she realized. Even her denominational naysayers are guilty of the very thing she confessed. The denominational world does what it does because it makes them happy. She simply confessed something they are all doing. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, there is some truth to what she said. I don't you know, think it's as I, cut and dry as people are making it. I think so, too. I When when I heard that and, and started seeing the just overwhelming negative reaction that was coming out as a result of that video... I, it made me think that I have actually made somewhat of a similar point before. For instance, I, I frequently, when we're talking about worship and about the importance of assembling and being regular in attendance, uh, I've made the point that the, the command that God gave us to worship was not given because he needs us to worship him. Yeah. I've frequently said God does not need mortal man to worship him. Uh, he existed for an eternity before there were mortal men on earth to worship him. He'll continue to exist for an eternity after this earth is destroyed with no mortal men to worship him. And my point is God doesn't need that. God commands us to worship because we need it. Okay. We we need what comes from worship. He's not dependent upon that. Right. His, his existence is not being sustained because there are some men on earth who are worshiping him. Right. And so, in a sense, you know, I, I'm making a, 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 at least a partial uh, statement in along the lines of what she said. Well, and Moses made similar statements. I mean, I, I'm sure Moses wouldn't like to be put in the same group as uh, Victoria Osteen, and he obviously isn't. But he makes a similar statement in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse twenty-four. And the Lord commanded us to do observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. So Moses says, "You do good, you do what God tells you to do because it's good for you." Uh, I, you know, perhaps it's just sort of a reaction to the fact that they're, they're teaching this health and wealth uh, gospel so much that uh, people are, are really, you know, getting their stomach yeah. full of that. Yeah, I, I think so, and I want to go to that, but but there is a sense I, before we. Uh, conclude that initial observation there is a sense in which we obey for our good right you know and and that we should obey god because we know that in his wisdom he has given instructions that are for us for our for our protection that keep us from uh, all kinds of heartache and and trouble you know uh, you, you look at at the world and you look at people who do not make any effort to serve god and you see all the turmoil that exists in their life and you realize that it's really a good thing to serve God because serving God makes our life better. We right. are we are enriched uh, and we are protected. It, and and if, if God loves us, then He obviously would give us instructions that are for our good that will make us uh, ultimately happy. And and so we ought to be observing God's instructions because we don't believe He's some kind of yeah. sadist that wants us to be miserable. He wants us uh, to to have the best yeah. life possible. Now I think where the study has to go is what does that mean right. to make us happy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, Stephen is uh, behind the control. Stephen, uh, you got any thoughts? I mean, you've been uh, keeping up with uh, the controversy in your 
aware of what's going on in the reaction. Uh, any thought? Any thoughts uh, about that? Well, I think I did agree with the guy who said that she was a little more honest than she expected to be, and it almost seemed like when I was watching the video that Joel kind of widened his eyes when he heard what she was saying. Maybe he realized that would strike some chords, but I just think about the verses that tell us to rejoice in suffering. I think that's kind of going to go along with what you guys are going to say in a few minutes, that happiness is coming from serving God, not from serving ourselves. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. There, and, and, and I think you're exactly right, but uh, again, I, I, I sort of a two-sided coin, I think, when I react to what she said, because, because one side of me says it is true that serving God is in our best interest. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you I mean if you if you're not serving God, you're messing up your life. You'd make yeah. that you'd make yeah. that argument all day long. Yeah, yeah. You're making so, yourself miserable. Right. Yeah. And 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 you're. I don't. I just recently, I was talking to a homeless man, and I said, "What you need to do is get your life right with God. Other things will follow. If you get your life right with God, things will go better for you." Now, I wasn't promising him, you know, a mansion on Main Street, but I really do believe that's a true principle. Right. That a guy who's down and out because of bad moral choices that he's made throughout his life, he's going to do better if he lives like God tells him to live. Right. And I, I I don't shy away from that kind of a message. The alcoholic in the gutter. If you if you straighten up your life, uh, you know things will go better for you. And yeah. so yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, shall we go to the phone and yeah. uh, we welcome our caller? Caller, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Are we? Are, we up? are you there? Let's see. I make sure we got everything going here. Uh, hello. Uh, do you do you hear us? We're not getting. Oh, uh, we've got a problem. All right, we'll work on that. Go ahead. Okay, so we got trouble with the phone line, apparently. Um, so two, two, two parts of this answer. One is, yes, serving God is a and it does make our life better and improves our life when we do that. Uh, now, what we know, of course, about the Osteens is that they do teach that health and wealth gospel. Right. And so they're saying if you serve God, then... Uh, what you have to be suspicious of is that they're actually suggesting a selfish motive for serving God, that if you serve God, uh, you'll, you'll make a big financial gain in the process. And, and we deny that. That's not the case. In fact, Jesus taught, look what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, beginning verse 23, uh, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? So Jesus suggested that we don't worship, uh, we don't expect necessarily a big financial gain that is all going to be health and wealth and everything will be good and beneficial to us. Uh, we just we just simply don't do that. Let's try one more time. Uh, caller, are you there? Uh-uh. We've got uh, we've got issues here. So, well, oh wait a minute, there I heard something. Caller, are you there? Okay. All right. All right. We'll try. If, we'll if, try. We'll try again. Yeah. Should, should try. Stephen, have you got him on the on the other line there? Okay. We'll try. We'll try there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I pretty well. So, I'm, All right. I pretty well got that. But right. the the idea eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. If you want to try again, there. Sorry for the uh, confusion. I, again, our our point is that uh, it. Because we know the Osteens teach this health and wealth gospel. You know, it's, it's sort of along the lines of something that I saw uh, on a, a television evangelist years ago who was suggesting that if you will uh, send in $100, God will send you 1000 back. Right. You know, and uh, the, the guarantee or the, the uh, certainty that you're going to get rich and you're going to be healthy if you do God's will. And that's the message that the Osteens preach. In fact, some of the criticisms that I was reading today about the Osteens is that they, they almost never mention sin. They don't talk about forgiveness or redemption or atonement. They very seldom even mention Jesus. It's all about living your best life and getting the best return for the effort that you put forth. And and I think that's probably why this comment from Victoria Osteen has brought such a negative reaction. And, uh, and and along those lines, you know, God hasn't promised us that our life is going to be rosy here. In fact, you mentioned, Stephen, that we're going to have to go through difficult times. And James chapter 1 tells us to be happy when we go through those difficult times because they do make us better. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 19, beginning, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or and steal. For where your heart, treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, Jesus is telling us, don't focus on uh, on, on the, the, the physical. Make your, your priority on the spiritual. And, and it seems like Olsteins have this uh, opposite of where it should be. Yeah. Uh, in the chat room, uh, guest 375, who I think is Chris in UK, says uh, uh, it's almost as though God is an afterthought, uh, and and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Okay. In fact, notice what uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. What's it all about? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's about God. It's not about us. And I think that's why people are really down on the Osteen right. right now. Okay. Let's take our break, and we'll get to some emails uh, when we get back. When we get to emails when we get back, we'll also get to the thought about women preachers. I mean, is she right to stand up in front of that congregation? And it's a large congregation. Is she right to stand up there and uh, assume that role? What do you think about that? And we'll get your thoughts on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Let thy hope of heaven master thy fear of death. Why shouldest thou be afraid to die who hopest to live by dying? If our principal treasure be as we profess, in all things spiritual and heavenly, then woe unto us if it be not so. No man treats a motor car as foolishly as he sometimes treats other human beings. When the car will not go, he does not say, You are a wicked motor car and I shall not give you any more petrol until you go. He attempts to find out what is wrong and set it right. It should be so with our fellow man. A faith of convenience is a hollow faith. A man without religion is like a horse without a bridle. Afflictions are light when compared to what we really deserve. They are light when compared with the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. But perhaps their real lightness is best seen by comparing them with the weight of glory which is awaiting us. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program talking about uh, Victoria Osteen's comments that you serve God for you. You don't serve God for God. And we want to hear your thoughts in the chat room over email tonight. And you said petrol in the in your quotes there. And Chris yeah. in the U.K. was, I heard him clapping, I think, all yeah. the way over here. Yeah, yeah. Ah, good. Uh, Chris mentions, I think, a pretty good observation of his in the chat room. He says, if your best life is now, that then the next life can't be better. I wonder where that would be if, if this is your best life. Now, that's sort of an expression they use a lot, live your best life. Yeah. And so we, we really are. Uh, I, I mean, I think the issue here is that this is this kind of philosophy, this kind of theology is me-centered rather than God-centered, and that can't be the case. All right. Uh, Chris in Atlanta. We haven't good, heard from Chris in a while. Good from Chris. Glad that you're, uh, you commented tonight. What gives God the greatest joy is when we obey him. That, in turn, will work out for our ultimate happiness when we face judgment. So Chris, in a way, says, yes, it is for our good. Uh, but we need to be trying to please God. Yeah, rather did than you read ourselves. that first line, which is, "We obey God because we love Him and want to keep His commandments"? John fourteen fifteen. Right. So that that's well. Exactly. Then there's the motivation, right? It's not uh, just what I get out of it. Yeah. Uh, Madi uh, said, uh, "When we first become Christians, uh, we probably do it because we don't want to be punished in hell. This is for ourselves. As we mature, our motivation should become more." one of wanting to be pleasing to God, therefore not for self but for God and out of love. Okay. I think, Josh, I think that Monty might be on to something there, uh, you know, that as we mature we become more uh, about doing the will of God and more about pleasing, more about bringing glory to him. 
And so maybe there is a maturing process, and maybe that's what people who follow the Osteens don't ever get to. They never get past it's all about me. Now, here's where it breaks down, their doctrine, uh, the idea that God just wants you to be happy. Sure, obeying God and uh, and doing his will will bring us the ultimate happiness, but it's not a necessarily a physical happiness. For instance, if God just wants me to be happy and wants me to be rich and healthy, then I'll do what I see in God's word that I think will make me happy. But if I come across a command or instruction that, that will, is, that's obviously not going to make me happy or not be something that I would enjoy, then, well, I'm going to discard that because... I've got this ultimate principle that God just wants me to be happy. Yeah. For instance, uh, maybe it's um, you know God's instructions on divorce and remarriage, and I'm in a marriage that may not be happy. God just wants me to be happy, so I see this instruction. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that because well, I wouldn't be happy if yeah, I did that. Yeah, that's the big danger. You know, we've done whole programs before on the Virtual Bible Study about the health and wealth gospel. Yeah. And uh, one of the big arguments against the idea that if you do right, you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy is the fact that some of God's greatest and most faithful servants throughout the centuries, it didn't happen that way for them. I mean, you think of, of, of some great heroes of the faith who suffered seriously uh, in their lives. <clears throat> and, and you know, we could even we could read the catalog of things, for instance, the, that the Apostle Paul said that he himself had suffered uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 11, beginning 24, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> That doesn't hardly sound like, you know, you're doing it for you. If if Paul had this mindset that Victoria Osteen has espoused, uh, he would say something wrong here Man, because not it's, it's not working out here thing. for me. Talk about me. Yeah. It's not it's not too good for me. This beaten thing isn't working out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, the shipwreck. I'm not a real big fan of that. Yeah. So again, the, one of the the biggest fallacies of the health and wealth gospel is it doesn't take into account that God's faithful, many of God's faithful servants through the centuries have suffered hard things. The ultimate example, of course, being Jesus Christ himself, the perfect man, and yet look at the things he suffered. So it is not a guarantee, and the scriptures do not propose that to us as as a plan or a motivation uh, to get us to serve God. All right. Chris in the U.K. says, as to worship, she does have a point. God knows who he is. And what he is like. So we, for example, break bread lest we forget who he is and what he's like. I guess a bit like the children of Israel forgot God as Moses received the law in the mountain and set and set a set a, set a, a calf of gold had led them out of Egypt. God desires obedience above sacrifice. Obedience could be said to be hearing God's word and acting accordingly. And and Jesus said obeying him was a sign of your love for him. And as a response of our love for him, we give ourselves as a living sacrifice to him in our thoughts, actions, and words. And so Chris is saying you know, worship does help us to remember God and who he is and to exalt him uh, to that position that he deserves in our life. So in a way, I guess Chris is saying, well, there is another side of this. Yeah, he goes on to say happiness depends on what happens to us. What gives God joy, according to many parables, is a sinner coming back in repentance and being found. He broke open heaven to say that his son fills him with delight. All right. All right. So um, I think we're all pretty much on the same page here. Rick in the chat room says theirs, talking about the Osteens, is one of the most materialistic views expressed by religious teachers today. Strange that they would constantly beg for money, betraying their materialism. Is it any wonder the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil? All right. And Travis in the chat room says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it uh, for, for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He references John twelve twenty five through 26 there. And uh, Jesus did repeatedly tell us that we're going to have to uh, sacrifice ourselves and maybe go through some difficult times. Yeah. And I, I think about the rich young ruler, Stephen. There's someone who Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to have lots of money. I want you to be I want happy. You to be happy, yeah. He went away sorrowful as a result of Jesus' teaching. I don't think that harmonizes what we're seeing here from the Osteens. All right. All right. So in summary, in summary, I think 
we would say it's, it, it's, it's sort of a two-edged sword here. One side is, yes, we do serve God because we understand that in his wisdom and in his love for us, he has given us instructions that in in general, as a general rule, will will make our lives blessed and and more free from the heartache and trouble that so often comes to those who are pursuing sin and worldliness. All right. Now, there are there, but it's it, there are exceptions. There are exceptions, and, and some some very faithful people have suffered horribly hard things uh, because of their faith. But in ultimately, sin. we're happy. The, the big picture is to get to go to heaven. It's not about this. It's a uh, spiritual uh, perspective, yeah, not yeah. a physical yeah. perspective. Uh, so that's the one side of the consideration. The other side is that this. Uh, that the Osteens are very materialistic in their approach to serving God. And, and, and since we know that, it sort of exposes probably the right interpretation to put upon the words that she said. You know, throughout the I, I, we need to get off of this, but, but throughout the Old Testament, God has asked for sacrifice. David wouldn't sacrifice that which cost him nothing. Uh, we're to offer sacrifices today, different sacrifices, obviously, than what they, they offered, but... God throughout history has, has asked people to make sacrifices to serve him. It's not all about me. It's not all about what what it does for me. God wants us to make sacrifices. All right, real okay. quickly, before we pass from Victoria Osteen's uh, comments completely, uh, maybe we should deal with the obvious. That is, we've got a woman preaching here, Jacob. Yes. What, what should we say? Well, it, to answer that, Chris from Atlanta says, can't find anywhere in Scripture that allows that. Well, that's that's pretty straightforward and simple answer. I think Monty said the same thing. The, the scriptures teach that a woman is to keep silent in the church and not to usurp authority over the man. That is, this is God's way. If they're doing something else, they're not following God. The verses that he alludes to are 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Mm-hmm. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the other verse that he alludes to... Yep. First Timothy chapter two. I can get my page. Verse open. eleven, beginning. Verse, let, yeah. let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. You know that in so many denominations, those what I think are very straightforward instructions are being generally ignored. Uh, it, it and I just can't imagine why. I mean, how could that be any plainer? I mean, that that seems so straightforward. But we've got just a a, a host of women preachers and many of them on the tv one of the ones that just just almost i mean it's almost like fingernails scratching across a chalkboard is joyce meyer oh man i uh, that that's just that's just torture well (laughs) well all right you haven't minced any words there but uh you know i uh steven it's it's pretty uh, apparent that the scriptures condemn it but we see so many uh who are Finding ways to explain it away. Yeah, I think the source of that deviance from the scripture is probably the same as the health and wealth gospel itself. What can I do to make me happy? I am the center of my interpretation of the gospel. My happiness is what determines how I'm going to interpret God's word. And so if God says very plainly, this is the way the woman acts in worship, if that doesn't coincide with that person's happiness, it's not going to be upheld. Uh, right, right. And, and what seems right to me, I can't see any problem with it. it uh, you know, it doesn't. I, I don't have a problem with it. Well, what did God say about it? And uh, it, it, in a way, for a, for women to think that they need to assume the position and the role that uh, God has given men really does disservice to their role. And uh, in, in a way, it, it says, you know, you're not you're not good enough in the role that God gave you. You need to. You need to have the men's role. And, and, of course, that's the view of the world, that women somehow have been uh, demeaned in God's plan or, or, or devalued. And, of course, the Scriptures deny that. And thoroughly. verse 15 of, of second, or First Timothy chapter 2 <coughs> answers that question. You don't have to assume another role. Assume your role, your God-given role, and you'll be blessed in that role. Yeah. Chris in the U.K. says, Women cannot have authority over a man, so teaching is a position of authority. So that rules out women teaching men. Some would say that a pastor is an elder and they need to be the husband of one wife, which is hard for a woman to do. He says uh, in our next part of our program, we're going to deal with a Barna poll. So he says, here's another poll from back in 2004 by Barna. The largest gap related to gender 
53% of male pastors have a biblical worldview. The same can be said for just 15% of female pastors. Wow. Overall, just 6% of all Protestant senior pastors are women. It seems that women are not only scripturally unqualified, but on the whole are practically unqualified well, as well. That's an interesting comment. Thank yeah. you, Chris. All right. So I, I, I think we've covered the Victoria Osteen uh, video pretty thoroughly and, uh, uh, but I think it's worth noting it's getting it's been, it's been getting a lot of airtime. You uh, expressed your uh, dislike of uh, Joyce Meyer. Chris in the chat room says you've not heard of Christine Kane. Then she is awful. You ever I, heard I, of? I never heard of her. Right. Is, is she in the UK? Chris probably she is in the UK, yeah. and we don't see her over here. All right. Well, we need to get a break. Get this week's bullet point. When we get back. There are preachers in America today, most in fact, are remaining silent on controversial biblical issues because, well, they don't want to make a a stir, and uh, we want to talk about that. Amazing study, amazing uh, statistics here about preachers who just won't, well, they They don't, don't deal with issues. Don't want to talk about it. Nothing, don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We hear a lot about change. Politicians frequently talk about changing things in government. Educators discuss changing our schools. Societal trends and technological advances have powerfully changed things in our daily lives. We now hear of personal trainers who try to help people modify their living habits and routines. So with all this talk about change, what about change when it comes to religious matters? First, we should observe that some things should not be changed. God has clearly revealed his will for our lives in the inspired word. What he has taught us, the things that the scriptures command and authorize, should not be altered. Men have imagined that they can change such things, and they have proceeded to do so with abandon. At their whim, via a church council, or by a human vote, they make revisions to the perfect law of liberty. Do they really think that they can improve on God's plan? Apparently so. This is wrong, and these changes must be avoided. Second, some things absolutely should be changed. Here we have in mind any sinful things that exist in our personal lives or in our collective endeavors. It's never too soon to rid ourselves of evil. John the Baptist urged his hearers to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance, Luke 3, verse 8. We should do the same, and we ought to do it now. Such change is not only good, it is commanded and necessary. Finally, some change is neither inherently good nor bad. Some things are judgment matters. When this is the case, we can be flexible. We should be subject to one another and be clothed with humility, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. It does not have to be my way. I can and should yield to others. This type of change may help to advance the kingdom and do much good. In such cases, we must be careful about stubbornly resisting change. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, welcoming you back and thanking you for joining us on the program. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. And as we've said before, we'll say again, we encourage you to go to our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we come, encourage you to come and worship with us at your earliest convenience. Find out more about our meeting place and our times of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. All right. For the second part of our discussion tonight, we want to go to a poll. The, a lot of people will recognize the Barna Research Group. And they do a lot of polling, and they do a lot of religious polling. And uh, last month, just last month, they, there, was a, there was a survey uh, about denominational pastors and preachers and whether or not they deal with um, current social, moral, political issues. In other words, the question was their belief regarding the relevancy of Scripture to societal, moral, and political issues and the content of their sermon in light of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the, the article about this went on to say is what we are finding is that when we ask these denominational pastors about all the key issues of the day, 90% of them are telling us, yes, the Bible speaks to every one of these issues. Then we ask them, well, are you teaching your people what the Bible says about those issues? And the numbers drop to less than 10% of pastors who say that they speak to it. Uh, 
the it says the Varner Group polled pastors about what factors they use to gauge whether or not a church is successful. There you go. And they said there are five factors. Here, in other words, here's what they are emphasizing. What, what are what are these denominational pastors emphasizing? The five factors they're most interested in is attendance, wow. giving, wow. number of programs, number of staff, and square footage. Square footage yeah. determines if you are a successful congregation. In other words, it's Can not believe- it's not about the message, and it's not about what people are being taught or what their people are encouraged to become uh, in their lives and, and serving God. It's about if we got bigger numbers, if we got more money. And we've got bigger facilities. We've got more more people on staff. Now, now I have, I you know, it doesn't take someone with great vision to see that this is their objective. But for them to be as brazen as, as this, to come out and say it, <laughs> and be put down on record that they are interested in numbers and how big. How many square feet their 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 facility is? That is okay. unbelievable. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be kind of? You know, I think something that helps us a lot of times in things like this is to sort of put on first century reading glasses. Imagine that we're reading something from the Apostle Paul. And can you imagine the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus and saying, Brethren, you gotta, you gotta get a bigger church building. You got, you got to have larger facilities. Uh, you're just not getting the job done. You don't have enough programs. Uh, or staff. You know, uh, I, I wonder if folks ever make that contrast and say, you know, how would what we're trying to do line up with what Paul would have been trying to do in the first century? Unbelievable. Let us know your thoughts. So what do you think about this study that says a majority of uh, pastors today are not talking about the issues? They're more interested in attendance, giving, the number of programs they offer, the number of staff they have. And the square footage that they occupy, unbelievable. You know, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. This article goes on. This article, by the way, was in Christian News. I put the link to this article in the update today. So if you want to read it, you can get on that link. And, and But they quoted Chuck Baldwin. Uh, he's a radio broadcaster, a former presidential candidate. Uh, and he says, this research shows that most pastors deliberately choose not to speak on the issues of the day, despite knowing that the Bible speaks speaks to those issues. It, and here's a quote. It has been decades since even a sizable minority of pastors have bothered to educate and inform their congregations as to the biblical principles relating to America's political, cultural, and uh, societal lives. He says it's time for Christians to acknowledge that these ministers are not pastors. They are CEOs, chief executive officers. They are not Bible teachers. They are performers. They are not shepherds. They are hirelings. Well, nobody's mincing words tonight. No, that's pretty. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is also time for Christians to be honest with themselves. Do they want a pastor who desires to be faithful to the scriptures, or do they want a pastor who simply is trying to be successful? You know, as we talk about that and and, and his observation that these people know and they deliberately decide not to tell. I think it would it should send a chill up their spine when they read Ezekiel chapter three verse eighteen. When I say the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at thine hand. Yeah, I mean that. That ought to make him sort of shake It seems a modern day fulfillment of uh, of that uh, yeah. there in Ezekiel chapter. 3. You know, there 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 might be sort of a link. Uh, between our first half conversation and this conversation, because you know there probably isn't any better illustration of somebody who doesn't deal with issues, moral and societal issues, than Joel Olstein. I mean, I mean, his. You, I, I'm sure you can't uh, find him preaching on current issues like the, the kind of which we're going to discuss here in a minute. The kind that ought to be addressed. All right. We asked the question: Do you think? Pastors, we understand we, we, how that term is so loosely used. Yes. But we're not really dealing with that right here. But do you think pastors should be addressing societal and cultural issues from the pulpit? Monty said uh, preachers should be declaring the whole counsel of God, covering every subject, whether popular or politically correct or not. They should especially be teaching about current issues. So Monty says yes. Now, in his in his comments. Uh, he's alluding to the to the words that Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter twenty. Uh, he, he said, um, 
In Acts chapter 20, verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, that every every preacher should have as a goal to be able to say what Paul said. If if we shy away from things because uh, maybe people won't like to hear it, you know, that, that's not too popular uh, and, and it's against the trend, you know, and if, if we preach on that, people may not be happy. And they may leave, and we can't. And of course, that would be contrary to one of our priorities. One of our priorities is more numbers and giving, and more money. And so we can't say anything that would cause numbers to diminish or contributions to fall. And so we're going to have to leave that topic alone. All right. Uh, you know, recently, Jacob, we we talked about the the, the question of social drinking. Uh, that's not very popular these days. You know, people don't like to hear. Uh, what I think the Bible clearly teaches about drinking alcohol, uh, and so some I've actually been advised by some you need to you need to back off of that you need to leave that alone because it's not popular and people people will will not attend uh, if they have to listen to that sort of a message. Well, what are we gonna, are we going to declare the whole counsel of God or not? Well, get a load of this, uh, Stephen. Philip Kent Clark in the chat room says a denominational church in my area from which one of our members' brothers goes made their preacher sign an agreement not to preach on adultery and a couple of other issues. <laughs> made the preacher sign an agreement. I'm not going to preach about adultery, and, uh, well, if you don't like this idea of uh, not stealing, I won't talk about that. Can you imagine? Yeah, it sounds like they're very much committed to themselves and not much yeah. else. <laughs> there you well, go. Stephen, don't you think that that would, le- that would identify the preacher who would sign such a contract? That would immediately identify him as a hireling. He's a hireling. He's there just to draw a paycheck. And if you say, don't preach on that, then I won't because I want to keep getting my paycheck. That's the definition of a hireling. Well, they're, not endure, they're not enduring sound doctrine. They've found it for themselves teachers having itching ears. And so this guy, you know, scratch our ears, but don't make us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank you for that comment in the chat room, Philip. Um, let's see if we got a couple other comments here before we go to this next break. Uh Chris in, you, uh, Chris in Atlanta says, when we asked, do you think that pastors should be addressing societal cultural issues from the pulpit? He said, absolutely. Like Paul in Acts twenty twenty seven, we should preach the whole counsel of God. The Bible offers instruction pertaining to our whole lives. We would be remiss if we preached only the feel-good and non-controversial things. It is sad that preachers are more concerned in the quantity of members than the quality of the family. I would rather worship with 50 strong Christians than 500 fair-weather Christians that may not be in a right relationship with God. Well said, Chris. Well Good said. observation, Chris. Just because someone uh, attends a church doesn't make them right with God. And so, yeah, the numbers aren't all that matters. And uh, Chris in the U.K. says they should be preaching the word. If the issues are in, in the text, then fine. But their first task is to faithfully proclaim the text before them. Agree with that, Chris. I guess Chris is saying, well, don't use the scriptures to, I don't know. You don't, don't read into the text. Right, don't right, right, don't make an it. issue yeah. that's not there. But yeah. if it's in the text, preach it. You've got yeah. to. And, and yeah. in the chat room, the same Chris uh, suggests Second Timothy 4.3. Uh, really, that whole section is appropriate here. Second uh, Timothy 4, beginning verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves itching, uh, teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You know, Paul told Timothy that you can expect as you go about your work, sometimes the message that you preach will not be popular. And he even suggested that, that as a result of his work, Timothy would have to endure certain afflictions. It will not always be popular. And anybody who wants, but, but I want to tell you, I mean, I, I, I've had Christians tell me that that message is too controversial. Stay away from it. Uh, you know, people don't want to hear that. Don't say it. Uh, I just think they're missing. Uh, they're missing the point now. They're in danger of what uh, Paul warns about there in Second Timothy four verse three. We got to understand now. We can't. I mean, if it's my opinion or my think so, and it's unpopular, I ought to leave it alone. Or if you're just doing it to make people mad. Yeah, but but it is necessary uh, for us to proclaim the whole counsel of God. All right. 
We need to get a break. Uh, when we get back, we want to talk about some issues you think would, would be appropriate for uh, preachers to discuss uh, and uh, pro, uh, issues you think are inappropriate. Again, the five factors that preachers are using to gauge the success of a church, attendance, giving, the number of programs, the number of staff, and the square footage they occupy. Unbelievable. No reference to God or his word. Uh, no reference to faithfulness uh, to God's instructions. It's all about the numbers, all about the money, all about the square footage. Unbelievable. We'll get a break and we'll go to the top of the hour talking about this. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In the year 2010, more than one out of four religious congregations had fewer than 50 people in attendance. That information is via faith communities today. The Word of God says in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program, we're going to the top of the hour, talking about controversial issues. A lot of preachers, or as they call, are called pastors in the denominational world are unwilling to address the controversial issues. What do the scriptures teach about that? And what should be our response to those controversial issues? Chris in Atlanta has given a, a pretty thorough list of some of the hot-button topics that, that I think are being neglected. Okay. Here are the ones that he listed. Modesty, homosexuality, gossip, adultery, sexual immorality, dangers of today's entertainment like movies, TV, and so forth. They should also address societal, or excuse me, social. social media and how we should conduct ourselves. This list only scratches the surface of topics that should be addressed. But you know, he says he's just scratched the surface, but I'm going to tell you, just, just as he has scratched that surface, he's already mentioned several things that many are avoiding. For instance, homosexuality. What are, what are many denominations that not only are they not teaching against it, they're teaching an endorsement of. Yeah. Homosexuality. They're they're teaching the exact opposite of what the Word of God says on that subject. Uh, He mentions modesty. I I got to believe that in most denominational churches, you couldn't find a preacher who preached has preached in in the last however many years on the subject of modesty. Uh, People and as a result of that, people even people who imagine themselves as religious have no notion. Of biblical modesty. Yep, yep. Uh, you, there, you had some. You've had studies in the past and statistics that show that how many people have uh, quit preaching about hell. It's an yeah. uncomfortable topic. Uh, people don't want to hear about it. It doesn't make them feel good, and so uh, they don't want to hear about hell. You know, this is very related to that first, uh, the first half of the program we talked about, Victoria Osteen, where people are saying, "Well, I want to serve God for what it does for me." Well, it, again, I don't want. In my service to God, I don't want to hear anything that's going to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. I want it, It's all about me. So yeah. if it doesn't make me happy, if it causes me to have to do something uncomfortable and change, then I don't want to hear about it. Don't don't talk to me about those kinds of things. Because I'm not happy when you make me feel bad. Right. Yeah. So don't. So, don't. so, so people who would on the surface say, hey, I, I, there's no way I agree with those Osteens. That's craziness there. But if I if I want the preacher to shy away from certain issues that are that, that require me to do something that's, that I don't want to do, 
well, then I'm no different uh, than they are uh, in my service to God. Yeah. Uh, in the chat room, Philip Kent Clark, I wonder if he's any relationship to the Clark Kent. Yes, he has. His, uh, his Facebook uh, handle is Man Super. Oh, okay. Backwards. So he's got it, everything backwards. Yeah. All right. He, he references Ecclesiastes 12. Uh, verses 13 and 14, of course, uh, well-known summary of Solomon's search for meaning in life. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall not, uh, excuse me, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I think that's a good verse to, to describe that. In, in the UK, Chris in the UK has suggested the kind of issues that need to be addressed God worship biblical uh, illiteracy, in other words, people not knowing their Bibles, the gospel creation, sanctity of life. Uh, you know, Ashley, that's that's a pretty a pretty open-ended question that I asked when I said, list the current issues that you think preachers should, should address. Well, you really can't hardly do that without mentioning everything in the Bible. Almost every issue is controversial to someone. It's controversial to the person who's engaged in that to sin and doesn't want to change. Yeah, I guess probably, you know, you could answer that by saying, well, I think you ought to preach everything from Genesis to Revelation, you know, the, the whole counsel of God. I, I've, I made this a short list here, Jacob. Certainly, I think we, the really hot current, because that was sort of the question. What about current social and cultural issues? Yeah. Homosexuality, same-sex marriage—that's got to be up there, right? Because I mean, that is in the news all the time anymore. And and, and you know, you wouldn't think, well, nobody's going to buy into that, but people are. Yeah. And 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 the media is so uh, in your face about uh, it's okay, and uh, you're, you're closed-minded. Do you have any problem with it? That you've got to remind people what the scriptures teach on that. Uh, just sort of, sort of as an illustration, uh, I sent uh, videos of our community Bible study in which we dealt with the subject of homosexuality. I sent those to uh, Jim in, in Michigan, and the church members viewed those videos. And one of, the, one of the fellows who was attending at that time said, why are we dealing with that? Everybody knows that. You know, that, that's a waste of time. Everybody knows that's wrong. No, not everybody knows that's wrong. No, in fact, very few do at this point. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's become so common. And, and the same was with, with divorce. How many years ago would uh, people say, we don't have to talk about divorce? Everybody, everybody knows that's, that's wrong. wrong. Yeah. And now members of the church are trying to justify it. Yeah, Chris, UK Chris has mentioned sanctity of life, I, uh, and and I had that on my list too. Abortion. Yeah. <clears throat> if we're not preaching about abortion and about the the horrible slaughter of innocent life in America and worldwide for that matter, but we're dealing with America specifically, then I think we're we're really failing to speak out on a needed subject. And I and you know I, I just maybe an update, Jacob. Uh, what well, was about three or four weeks ago, we had Brian Harris, yeah. president of Tennessee Right to Life, on our program, interviewed him. Uh, an update for Tennessee listeners. Uh, want to remind you about the upcoming election, in which we have a chance uh, to let our voices be heard on the abortion question. Uh, and and I, I really think preachers need to be uh, discussing this topic right now, in Tennessee at least, because in Tennessee we have an opportunity to let our light shine and to make a vote that will save lives and will restrict abortions. And so uh, just a little plug there in, for Tennessee listeners, uh, we encourage you to uh, look for yesonone.org in Tennessee. That's the that's the website of the statewide effort to pass Amendment 1 on the November uh, 4th election ballot. So, But preachers need to be talking about abortion. I mean, millions of unborn babies have been slaughtered uh, in the United States and are continuing to be. And uh, if we're not talking about that, what are we talking about? All right. You ask furthermore, as we get close to the end of our time here, current issues you think would be inappropriate for preachers to discuss from the pulpit? Uh, Let's see what uh, Chris in in Atlanta says. I don't think preachers should necessarily push one political candidate over another. They should, however, be teaching what God expects from our leaders and what laws or potential laws are sinful, like abortion. All right. Amen to that, Chris. Uh, uh, I think pretty much anything can be preached as long as you have scriptural support and use tact and discretion. It would be acceptable to preach about the marriage relationship, but unacceptable to go into graphic detail about it from 
the pulpit. I appreciate you guys for your willingness to take on difficult subjects. Thanks, Thank Chris. Chris. Good to hear from you. And uh, Chris in the UK says it would be inappropriate to talk about seed faith. You know, seed faith is what these health and wealth guys yeah. do. You know, give me 10, you'll get 100 back. You know, plant <laughs> yeah. a seed and reap this big harvest. Right. That's what he's talking about. It would be inappropriate to talk about their summer vacation, positive confession, the circle maker. See, I now, that, now, Chris, you're mentioning some things there that we're not familiar with that terminology here, so we, we're not sure what that means, the circle maker. The film they saw last weekend, Centering Prayer, The Four Blood Moons, Contemplative Mysticism, basically anything <laughs> that's moralistic, therapeutic deism, Five Ways to Better Finances, Five Ways to Better Marriage, Five Ways to Better Children, Five Ways to a Tighter Your Home. You know, I, I don't think it's, it would be inappropriate to talk about five ways to better marriage or five ways to better children. No, that might be good. I don't necessarily think it would be totally wrong to talk about five ways to better finances as long as you use scriptural principles on those. Uh, you have to be careful yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah, and, and uh, in all of these things, it's whether or not you're going to base your teaching on the Bible or your opinion. And I don't, you know, I don't think it would be wrong to have a sermon on five ways to a tidier home. Stephen, I think we could have a uh, five ways to tie your home. Stephen, we'll assign that to you. You can <laughs> preach on that in a couple weeks. <laughs> a five way, you know. But uh, if they're scriptural principles, to talk about the to consider the ant. Yeah, I got sluggard. I, I got to agree so with forth. that. I got to agree that we should not be preaching about five ways to lower your carbon footprint. Okay. <laughs> All right. Five ways the tithe will bless me. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, five reasons why the pastor is right about whatever he says. Now, you might be for that one. Hmm. Hey, five ways the country would be better if we voted. Uh, five ways I can better look after my budget. Budget, I, budget, I think, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. How can I learn to speak in tongues? I, I, don't, I don't know what. I don't, yeah. All right. So uh, he, he, I think some of that's satirical. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there's a lot of things that should not be uh, touched on. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I think that Chris in Atlanta mentioned is we are not a political action committee, and I don't think that we should get into that business of endorsing specific candidates and so forth. Uh, and so I think we should leave that alone. Now, a lot of religious groups have become very political. However, there's an element even of political things that I think we have business talking about. For instance, abortion, same-sex marriage. If we got political candidates that are endorsing that, we don't have to name their names or say don't vote for them. But what we should tell Christians, we should preach that homosexuality is a sin and that abortion is murder. We should preach that, and and Christians should be able to easily draw the conclusion, since that's so, I'm not going to support this political candidate yeah. that endorses those things. All right. Well, we're closed out of time. We appreciate the discussion tonight. Victoria Osteen, well, he's uh, preaching that health and wealth gospel. We need to avoid that. Uh, but we, you know, God is going to bless us if we serve him, not necessarily physically, but we will be blessed. And, uh, well, we need preachers who are going to tackle the controversial issues. Yeah, we need those who will preach the whole counsel of God and, and who will uh, not be ashamed. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm afraid that what we've got is some people who are ashamed of the gospel, and they don't want to preach it because uh, they just think it's, 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 it's kind of off-putting, old-fashioned kind of stuff. We're, we're, we, we, we've come to a new time and and we just got to adjust with the age. Needs preachers with a spine, I guess is what you're saying. That's right. All right. Stephen, any uh, comments before we go? Yeah, I think in all of this, I fear that people like Victoria Osteen and, and those pastors that focus on those five factors like square footage and attendance, I think, like Greg said, they'd be offended by Jesus. I mean, he was a lowly man. He didn't appeal to people who were lofty and rich. Um, very socially active. He addressed social groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and told them their specific sins and warned them about that. Um, and if any gospel of ours is not the gospel of Jesus, it's it's not a gospel worth having. Uh, Very exactly good. Right. Well Excellent, Stephen. All right, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Stephen, for being here. You did a great job on your first night. Appreciate you coming. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you for listening to us uh, on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you Put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.